Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? Glad to see you. Glad you're here. Did you survive Thanksgiving? Yes. Did everybody put on their three pounds or whatever? So I'm wearing all my loose clothes today. But uh, I, I'm glad you're here. I know it's windy outside. It's cold outside. I know that it's a holiday weekend, but I'm glad you're here, and I believe that God is going to bless you for being here. I want to talk to you something quickly as we uh, get started. You might have gotten one of these little cards on your chair. If you did, hold it up. Let me make sure everybody got one. Just hold it up right there. Um, this is promoting something that we kick off next Sunday, and it's called Christmas at the Movies. Now, you saw a little bit of our decor. We're about halfway there. We're still getting ready. But uh, we, uh, this is an opportunity where we uh, bring out uh, all the stops and, and have a good time selling, celebrating Christmas the entire month of December. And what we're doing is we're just, basically, we're, uh, we've, we did this last year. We've done this several years in the past where we, we take a look at a few movies and, and learn, you know, the, you know, the basic message behind it, draw out some scripture from the Word of God. But we have a really good time. You'll see some, some uh, dynamics in the coffee bar. You'll see some other things in the kids' ministry, especially the kids' ministry. They're going to have a, a blast. So here's the deal. This is what we call an invite card. A few weeks ago, I had a visiting pastor come in, Richie Brown, and he pastors this awesome church in Amarillo, Texas. And I, one thing I always ask pastors when they come visit, I say, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to evaluate our church. Uh, uh, when he comes in, their church is, you know, they're kind of a few stages, a few steps ahead of us, and, and God is doing some incredible things in that ministry. And I said, hey, just evaluate our church. And we just moved into a new building. Uh, tell me what you think. And he said, are you sure you want me to do that? So... Uh, I said, uh, uh, yeah, sure, but one of the things that he noticed, he says, there's not really a culture of invite at your church. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you guys didn't invite us to be back the next Sunday. Uh, he said that, you know, that you're not promoting what you're doing. He said, you guys have this incredible church that everybody's a part of, but I didn't catch this sense of you guys are inviting people to be a part of Faith Coast Church. So I made a note of that went and, and uh, made up these cards and this is basically a way that we can invite people to be a part of Faith Co. Church during the month of, of, of December. First of all, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a different, these are going to be different types of messages. And they're targeted towards people that, are, that don't know Christ. So you don't have to spend a lot of time inviting, pulling. All you got to do, if you can do this, you say, hey, man, uh, we're doing something special at our church. If the, if the conversation comes up, don't do it randomly. But if the conversation comes up, hey, I've been thinking about coming to Faith Co. Church. You can just say, actually... And you get your wallet out. We got something special that we're doing. Let me give you this. And it promotes uh, Christmas at the movies. So just an easy way to invite people to be part. Because, listen, they're not, people aren't going to come if, we, if they're not invited. Right? Yep. People are not going to come if they're invited. So every environment of your life, we should be thinking, invite people to be a part of his church. Right? We're not just, we're not a social club here. We're not here to just hang out and have fun and high-five each other and hang out with our friends. We are on a mission to save our world. And one of the things that we must do is we must have a culture of invitation, right? Right. Okay. All right. Well, let's dive into today's message. As Baylor was saying, I'm concluding a series of messages called When We Pray. Now, I believe that a lot of times when we don't have prayers answered in our lives, we think to ourselves, well, I tried prayer, and prayer doesn't work. A lot of times, I think, and we talk about it as pastors, we talk about the power of prayer, and we read about it in the scripture. 
We tell people and remind people, but a lot of times when we don't have prayers answered in our lives, we think to ourselves, well, God just doesn't answer my prayers, or maybe prayer doesn't work, but what I want to do today is I want to give you a different spin on that. I want to show you that prayer does work, and I believe that God will move in our lives, but the truth is we don't understand how to pray, or we don't understand what prayer is all about. So I want to eliminate this, well, God doesn't answer prayers, or prayer really doesn't work. And I want us to own the fact that we need to understand the power and the gift of prayer today, all right? Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us in here today. I pray that you'll speak to us and say to us what your spirit would say to us, and may we grow in this understanding of the power and the gift of prayer and make it an everyday part of our lives in Christ's name. And everybody said, look at your name and say, do you even pray? Billy Graham said prayer is spiritual communication between man and God. It's a two-way relationship in which man should not only talk to God, but also listen to him. That's kind of the definition in a nutshell of what prayer is, communication. And 1 John 5 and 14 talks about how that we can request things of God, and he answers our prayer. It says, we have this confidence toward him that if we ask anything according to his will... That's, we talked about that last week. It's got to be, if we ask anything according to his will, Lord, I pray as I jump off the top of this building, you will help me to fly in the name of Jesus. How many of you know that's not going to pan out? Why? Because that's not according to his will. We have to pray according to his will, that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that, he has, that, that we have asked of him. Uh, real quickly, two things about prayer. Number one, prayer is a gift. Prayer is a gift because you have a holy God in heaven who desires for you to talk to him, to speak, to communicate to him, and he desires to hear you when you pray. I want you to think about that for a second. People who serve or worship pagan gods, they don't worship that thinking that he hears them. We are the only religion where we are encouraged to have a relationship with, with our deity. We have a God. It's a gift that, that we have a God who wants us to pray, to speak to him. I believe that the power, I believe that, that prayer is not only communication, but it's also commune. That there is, communion is about relationship. It's about closeness and proximity. That, that we can ask what we want, but it's not just about requesting from God because there is a relationship that is developed when you pray. For example, for those of us who have kids, what if the only time that your kids ever called you from school or ever called you any time or wanted to talk to you is when they wanted something from you? That's kind of the nature of some of us. I mean, Dad, what's going on? Man, Dad, I want you to know I love you. Like, do you? What do you want? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Sometimes, that, sometimes that's the only prayers that God hears from us is when we want something. But prayer is commune with God, connection with God, development of relationship. Prayer is a gift that, that brings us closer to our Heavenly Father. So prayer is a gift. Second of all, prayer is powerful. In Ephesians, the sixth chapter, we are reminded of, a, of the spiritual war that we're involved in every single day of our lives. 
And the scripture goes on to say that we must put on the whole armor of God. And it talks about defense armor, that to put on the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. Our feet are supposed to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And it goes on to say these different things, to have a shield, to put out the fiery darts of the enemy. But those are all defense mechanisms, or they are all armor to ward off the devil. But the scripture goes on to say that there are two weapons in our warfare. The first one is the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. Then it goes on to say that we have this weapon of prayer that is very, very powerful. I want to tell you something. Prayer is very powerful in our walk with God. But if you don't understand how to use a weapon, if you're at warfare, if you don't understand how to use your weapon, it it is of no use to you. When I was 13 years old, my dad handed me this rifle that I'd never shot before. He, I'd, 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 I'd grown up with a pellet gun. I'd never shot a 22. I had a pellet gun. I was pretty good with this pellet gun. But at 13, I went deer hunting for the very first time. My dad handed me this 243 high-powered deer weapon, or deer weapon, deer uh, rifle with a high-powered scope. I'd never looked through a scope before. And I was up on this rock, and this, this deer walks in front of me, and I looked through this scope. And I was like, what? It's close. You know, you know I'm, I'm, and, and I, I, missed, I missed this deer. I missed this deer like from like 30 yards away with a scope. I, did, I just, I saw fur. And my dad walked up and said, what happened? What happened, son? I said, I, I missed it. He said, you missed it? But you have a scope. I said, I, I don't know. He said, well, go up there where I was hunting. I'm going to hunt down here for a little bit. So I, so I went up there where he was hunting, and, and he hunted where I was. Pretty soon another deer walked up in front of me. So I looked through the scope. Boom, missed the deer again. My dad ran up there, where is he? Did you get one? I said, I, I think I missed him. He said, what's wrong, son? I said, I, I think this thing doesn't work. So he looked through it and he shot it. He said, there's nothing wrong with that. It's dead on. Well, the problem was I didn't know how to use it. I didn't, I didn't understand how to use it. Listen to me. You have a weapon of warfare called prayer, but I think we don't understand it, therefore we don't know how to use prayer, and then we, we begin to think and we doubt God and we doubt That prayer even works, but God answers prayer. But here's what I want you to understand, because here's here's where we we lose our understanding many times. It's not just about God answering a prayer, and we have this great miracle every now and then. That's not what I'm talking about. Well, we believe if we pray about this situation that God is going to answer. Well, we got this really big thing going on in our lives, and we really need so We're going to spend more time in prayer, and we're really going to believe. That's great and all. But there is a practical, every single day use to prayer that brings power and boldness into our lives that I believe that we're not using because we don't understand how to pray. Now, I know that you know how to say Father in heaven and you've heard the Lord's Prayer, but I'm talking about the practical, everyday use of prayer. So what does that look like? Well, Jesus modeled that in his life. We have the example of Jesus, and I know that he was God in the flesh, so we can't be perfect, but there is, uh, we can't be perfect like him, but we can strive for his example. We can see the human side of Jesus and the way that he lived his life and see that as an example. Let's look at what he did and how he prayed. Mark 1 and 35 says this. Says this. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. This is how Jesus prayed. Now we understand that Jesus had some unusual 
uh, miracles in his life and God was doing something and God was bringing about the purpose of the whole world. But based on that, Jesus understood that, that prayer had to be a priority in his life. So what he did is every day, according to what we just read, so what he did is every single day, at the end of the day, when his whole day was over and he did everything else and there was nothing else to do, well, that's when he spent time in prayer. Is that what that says? What does it say? He got up early. The very first thing that he did while it was still dark, before anybody else was awake, before his day got started, and he got, first of all, he got up early and he got alone. He got up early and he got alone. I've heard people say to me before, and I, I don't know when you pray, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to challenge you today. I don't, I don't care when you pray, but I'm going to challenge you to pray first. I'm going to challenge you to get up early and to pray first. And you say, Travis, you don't, you don't understand my life. You're right. I don't understand what your life is, and I can't speak for what you can do. But don't raise your hands for the question I'm about to answer you. I ask you, okay? I'm going to ask you a question, and I don't want you to raise your hands, okay? Because this is going to single you out if you do. Don't do it. Look at your neighbor and say, keep your hands down. How many of you have said before, I am not a morning person? How many of you? I said, don't raise your hands. Put your hands down. How many of you can say, I'm not a morning person? I've talked to people. I've talked to my family before about getting up early and praying. And you say, I'm just not a morning person. But here's what I found out. We get up early for things that we really want to do or we really care about. We get up early for things we prioritize. Do you believe that? It's it's not that we're not morning people. It's that we just don't want to get up because, you know, it's it's kind of tough to get up. Now, let me me go back in time for myself. When I first went to college, it was all I could do to make a 9 o'clock class. I mean, I remember I had to drive to Seminole for my first class, and I remember laying in bed till 8.30 to make it to a 9 o'clock class, and it was like a 17-minute drive. I would lay in bed, and I would think, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. It's all I can do to wake up. You know, part of it is, you know, if you stay awake till 1 o'clock in the morning watching television, that's, that's an issue. But that was, that was kind of my life. And, 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 you know, my second semester of my freshman year in college, I got this job that required me to be there at 4 a.m. And that literally changed my whole routine. And it wasn't, deal, it wasn't a job where it was a good-paying job, first of all. I was making more money than all of my friends. Second of all, I had incredible benefits. And it was, just a, you know, it, was, it was a really good job. You got paid twice as much as working anywhere else. But you had to be there at 4 a.m. and you couldn't call in sick. And they would tell you, don't be calling in sick. Because you worked on a conveyor belt. And if, and what, you know, you loaded trucks uh, from a conveyor belt, and if, if you had four trucks to load, and if you didn't show up, they didn't replace you, they put your trucks in other people's departments or other people's areas, and they had to do your work for you. So not only was it a disappointment for, you know, your supervisor, it made everybody else down line have a really, really bad day, and they would let you have it the next day. So I, several times, several times I went to work sick. 
You just, you didn't show up. I mean, you always showed up, and it was something that you always did. So I'm telling you, for about five years in my life, I had to be, awa- I had to be awake and be at work at 4 a.m. every single day, and that changed my life. Can you imagine looking into the eyes of a drill sergeant if you're in basic training when they're telling you to get up at, in the middle of the night saying, I'm sorry, I'm not a morning person. How do you think that's going to work out for you? <laughs> you're not a morning person. Oh, my gosh, you don't want to say that in the Army. It's a matter of priorities, my friend. It's a matter of priorities. More than that, it's a matter of routine because we wake up early. And I want to challenge you. If you tell yourself you can do this, you can't. I want to challenge you to whatever time time of day it is to put God first in your life as far as your prayer life. Amen? So Jesus modeled this by getting up early. Second of all, Jesus modeled this because he would pray for an extended amount of time before he made important decisions. We see this in Luke 6 and 12. It says in these days, it talks about before Jesus was about to choose the 12 disciples, before he was going to choose, if you will, his staff, his team that would start the New Testament church. This is what he did. Listen to this. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night long, he continued in prayer to God. All night long. When is the last time you prayed all night long? When is the last time? Now, now before you think I'm pointing fingers, I, I can't remember the last time I prayed. Yeah, I can. I was about 14. I went to Pentecostal church. We had all night prayer meetings once a year, and I slept most of that prayer meeting. I'd run out of things to pray and take a nap. It was really hard. If you think praying all night is hard, try, just pr- try to pray an hour. You run out of things to pray. There's, there's, you, if, if that's something that you do, and I, I can show to, you, you need strategies to pray for extended amounts of time. But, but think about this. This is the model that we've given before Jesus makes one of the most important decisions of his life. He spends all night in prayer. I, I'm sure that he's not talking the whole time. He's listening. He's meditating. But he takes that time and gets away from society and gets alone and prays to God off and on or whatever all night long. When is the last time you prayed all night? Let me ask you this. Let's forget about that. Forget about that. That's way out there. When is the last time you prayed an hour? Man, it is quiet in here. When is the last time you prayed for an hour about something that was really important in your life? Now, I'm telling you this not to step on your toes I'm telling you this to challenge all of us because we say prayer, or we doubt prayer. Well, prayer doesn't work, or it doesn't really work for me, or it works for the people in church, or for the. But really, for me, I pray and hope things work out. But it doesn't really work. But let me ask you something: When is the last time you prayed for thirty minutes? 30 minutes about something that was really, really important, that you got alone, you got up early, you got away from everybody, you took you and your Bible or your prayer journal, and you got alone and you said, I'm going to dedicate this to God in prayer. When is the last time we did that? It's easy for us to say, well, I don't know if prayer works or it works for other people. Then for us to pay the price to prioritize prayer in our lives. So we see this as an example of Jesus, but then we see it, okay, yeah, that's Jesus. He's God in the flesh. I don't know about that. Let's, let's see what they did in the New Testament. The church, this is what the church did. Acts 2 and, 40 said, 2 and 42 says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. 
So there, it appears that there were specific things. Tonight, we're going to pray about this. Tomorrow, we're going to pray about this. What we want you guys to do is pray about this specific thing that's going on in the church, and we're going to have you guys pray about this. We're going to have you guys pray for the needs in the house. We're going to ask you guys to pray about the finances in the house. We're going to ask you guys to, that God would keep us protected from the persecution of the church. They, were, they, were, they devoted themselves to the prayers. Acts 3 and 1 says, now, Peter and John, and I'm going I'm to back this story up a little bit, but Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. At the hour of prayer, which was the ninth hour, which would be 3 p.m. Every day at 3 o'clock, the New Testament church was arriving, and that was the hour of prayer for the New Testament church. So they were, they were, they were devoted and dedicated to prayer. Now here's what happened. As they were going up there, I'll tell you the story, then I'll say something else. They walked up and there was a man that had been sitting there for some time and he had been lame in his feet for 40 years. And when, he, when they walked up there, Peter and John looked at him and Peter said, hey, look at us. And the man was expecting to receive some silver or gold and Peter looks at him and says, we don't have any silver or gold, but I'll tell you what we do have. We have the power of God in our lives, so in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And the Bible says the man stood up and walked and then he began leaping and praising God in the temple and this caused a ruckus and people were praising God and everybody was excited and what in the world happened and when they approached Peter, Peter stood up and said, let me tell you what happened and he began to preach the name of Jesus and that the Jews crucified him and as he began to preach this, this word got back to the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin court, which was the governing court for the, the, the Jews and they came to them and heard that they were preaching Jesus. And they thought they got rid of Jesus with the crucifixion. But here are the disciples preaching Jesus. So they arrested them. And they brought, him into the, brought them into the Sanhedrin court and said, listen, we got to do something about this. And this is where our story picks up in Scripture. It says, in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them, talking to Peter and John, not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you got to judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they threatened their lives, they threatened to beat them, we know this later, they let them go, finding no way to punish them. The 23rd verse says this, when they, re, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices to God. Listen to that. They prayed out loud. They didn't just, they weren't timid. They lifted up the entire congregation. They, they, they were threatened. They were in trouble. They were in danger. So they got serious and passionate about prayer. They lifted up their voices. They united in prayer. And here's what they said. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. That's how they started their prayer. How do you start your prayers? Oh, Lord, you're so good. You're a good, good God. You're a good, good God. Lord, I pray that you'll bless me today. You know what I'm saying? How do you, how do you start your prayers? Listen to the worship. Listen to the adoration that they have when they came together. Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who... Through the mouth of our father David, our, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit. And then they began 
to quote some of the Old Testament. Of, it wouldn't be their Old Testament. This was their Bible in those days, if you will, their Old Testament writings. They quoted the scripture. Listen, when you're praying, it's okay to pray the word of God. Lord, here's what you said. Here's what's going on. Use the word of God as an example. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and anointed. They're talking about what's going on, that they have set themselves. We knew this was coming according to the word of God. 27th verse says, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Lord, we knew that this was coming. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. You see what they said. You see what's going to go down. And grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Listen to what they're praying for. They're praying to fulfill the calling of God on their lives. Listen to that. God is going to answer this prayer, but I just want you to know what they're praying for. This is what the New Testament church was praying for. Now, God would meet their needs. God would bless them financially, as I'm going to show you. But listen to specifically what they were praying for. Lord, give us boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with all boldness, Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was of his own, but they had everything in common, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was was not a needy person among them. So with the remainder of my time, real quickly, I want to talk to you about the things that happen when we pray from the example that's given to us through the New Testament church. Number one, what happens? Change happens. Change happens. 31st verse, I love this verse. It says this, and when they prayed, the place in which they had gathered together was shaken. As you really read that, you you see that the building where they prayed literally shook. I want you to think about what, if if we were gathered together and we were praying, we were having our our Wednesday morning prayer meeting as we were praying, as we were trying to get a hold of God, doing the best we think about the building actually shaking. That would would actually scare you a little bit. I mean, in Oklahoma, it seems now that there's more and more earthquakes, as if tornadoes are not enough. Uh, Now we got to deal with earthquakes. Have you ever been in your house or something when an earthquake happened? I I remember the last one, it felt like somebody picked up my house about six inches and then dropped it and just shook it over to the left a little bit and pictures fell off the wall. That'll get your attention. I believe that that's what was going on here. I don't think that that God was doing something spectacular to impress them. I think that God was saying, hey, this prayer entered the throne room of God. This is, this is my will, and I want you to know that I heard, and I'm going to give you what you asked for. I want to tell you something. Don't be surprised if you're really serious and passionate about your prayer, and you're spending that time in prayer, and you're praying in faith that God doesn't shake your place up or shake your home a little bit. And I'm not talking about a physical or natural shake. I'm talking about a supernatural thing. Don't be surprised if God doesn't shake your, your, your marriage up or shake up your home or shake up your family. Sometimes it just needs to be shook up a little bit. And what that is, that's God saying, I'm going to answer this prayer. Don't be surprised if God doesn't shake things up. Amen? 
because that's the sound and that's the feeling of change. Change happens when we pray. Second of all, confidence happens when we pray, a spiritual confidence. It says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Boldness. There was a holy boldness that that they needed boldness. You see, they, they were threatened to not preach the word of God. Therefore, that's a spirit of timidity. That is, a, that is a spirit of fear. So what they prayed for is, Lord, this is not a time for us to be silent. We must be preaching the word of, of God. So God, give us boldness. And what they do, they begin to pray for it. And God gave them a spiritual boldness. Let me ask you something. What places in your life do you need to be bold? What areas in your life be it spiritual, be it in the natural, that, that, that you're a little bit timid, that you need to be bold. If, if you need to be bold, you need a holy boldness, take that to God in prayer. What kind of, of, of confrontational meetings in your life? What needs to be addressed in your life, whether it be at work or in your family? You need a spiritual boldness. If you will baptize that in prayer, that meeting or whatever, if you will baptize that in prayer, God will have you walk into every situation, every environment in your life with a boldness to get the job done. That's what they needed for this, and God gave it to them as they began to pray. Number three, unity happens. Acts 4 and 32 says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. The church has never been more divided than it is today. We got this denomination over here, this denomination over here, this denomination, this non-denomination, and then within the church there are different peoples, and that's, that's kind of the nature of people. But sometimes when we're divided, it causes, there's, there's a difference between being divided and actually division. And division's not healthy for the church. And a lot of times when we're divided, the enemy wants to divide us. But Jesus prayed in John 15 that we would become one. One of the last prayers that Jesus prayed was that his church would be and act as one. Why is that? Because if the church unites it is the most powerful force on the planet if every believer came together and united and there was no division we would simply be unstoppable that's what was happening in the new testament church they were not divided a house divided will not stand if your house is divided pray that god will bring unity to your spouse and to your family the enemy wants to divide you but christ desires to unite us number four generosity happens verses 32 and 24 says no one said that anything belonged to him there was this spirit of generosity and they were i'll just paraphrase that they were giving unusually they were giving houses and land and they were blessed but here's what i noticed that after this prayer and after they united and after they were preaching the word of god there were no longer needs in the house now, the 34th, says, 34th verse says, there was not a needy person among them. Think about praying and believing and God moving in such a way that there, were, there, there are no needs in the house. If you want that, pray. And prayer is that powerful. Lastly, what happens when we pray? Salvation happens. Salvation happens. Acts 5 and 12 says, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of men, and even women, it says, of men and women. Listen, if we want to see our city reached, if we want to see people saved, 
even miracles. If we want to see the church stronger and built, if you want to see your family saved, commit to prioritize prayer in your life the way I'm talking about. Don't excuse yourself and say, well, I don't know if it works. Here's what I want you to understand. I'm closing with this. Something happens when we really, really pray. Something happens when we pray. The enemy wants you to believe that nothing happens when you pray. But it's not true. What happens is is we give up, and we don't believe, and we doubt. Or we pray for things that are not according to God's will, but that doesn't mean that nothing ha- that doesn't mean nothing happens. Something happens. The apostles, because of the example of Jesus in the early church, they took prayer very seriously. My friend, I want you more than ever to take prayer seriously. And I want you to make it a priority. Don't just tell me prayer doesn't work. I know that it works. I want you to pray passionately. I want you to pray with, with purpose. The writer, James, tells us that the effectual fervent or the passionate prayer of a righteous man has great power and brings results. I know that it works. So pray with power, pray with passion, and pray with purpose and make it a priority if you want to see God move in your life. Don't tell me that it doesn't work until you can show me that you're doing these things, that you're praying like this. You're getting up early. You're getting away from everybody. You're spending some time telling you that God will move greatly in your life and there's nothing that he won't do. The scripture tells us in John that we can have whatever we ask according to his will. God will move in your life like never before. If you will make priority or if you will make prayer a priority in your life. Don't walk through this life and not take advantage of a, of a real God that not only wants to have a relationship with you, but also wants to move in your life, that he will move heaven and earth to see things in your life that you desire to happen. He'll do the things that, for you that, that, you seem, that seemingly seem impossible. He'll bring your family closer to him. He'll save your family. He'll move in the area of your finances. He'll give you the things that you ask for. Don't walk through life and miss out on the gift and the power of a prayer life with a God, an all-powerful God that just wants to be in relationship with you. Amen? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And Lord, not just that, you spoke to us. And you preached, and you ministered to everybody in the house, including me. And I thank you for that. And I know, Lord, that you want to say some things and you want to minister to the hearts of every person here. So I pray that that's exactly what you do right now, wherever we are, whatever we need to experience, whatever needs to happen in the lives of every person here. I pray that that is exactly what will happen right now in this moment. Speak to people. As your heads are bowed and you're praying, I'm going to pray two prayers. The first prayer is, us as believers, that we will grow not only in the knowledge, but in the area of our prayer lives. In the second prayer, I'm going to pray for those who don't know Christ, give you an opportunity to come home to Jesus. 
If you're here today and you live for the Lord, maybe this is a challenging message for you to, I know it was a, a huge challenge for me today. And there are some things that I need to take care of in my prayer life, things that, some, some blind spots in my life that, that I've been asking God to move in my life and I, I have not committed to prayer at the level that I'm talking about today. That's going to change today. That changes today. Maybe that's something that's, maybe that's something that's going on in your life that it's not that you never pray, it's just that you've neglected really, really praying the way I'm challenging us to do today. If that's you, I want to pray with you right now. If you're seated next to somebody you're close to or you love, let's pray with them. Let's pray together in agreement. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for confronting us today and speaking to us to, for caring enough about us to confront us in the area of our prayer lives. I pray right now for every person that's here. Lord, that we grab hold of today's message, that, that this is, I believe it's from you, Lord, that you want to strengthen us and you want to challenge us in the area of our prayer lives. Lord, that, that we have the gift of a Father, that we have the gift of a holy God that wants to and desires to answer our prayers and move in our lives. But we've got to make prayer a priority. So whatever that looks like, if it means getting up early, if it means getting away from people, if, if it means make it a priority in some other area, if it means eliminate distractions, whatever it takes, Lord, we take that step. And I ask, Lord, that as we take that step, you will make yourself real in the lives of people. You will change situations. You will even work miracles in the lives of people. In the name of Jesus, and if you commit to that, say amen. If you'll continue to bow your heads, I want to pray one more prayer. As I said, if you don't know Christ, if he's not Lord and Savior of your life, we, as followers of Christ, have a right to pray and know and have a confidence that he answers because we have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. And if you have not, if you have not given your life to Christ, surrendered your life to Christ today, I'd like to give you that opportunity. Maybe you have never given your life to Christ. Or maybe at some point in your life you walked away from God. Or you're not where you should be right now. I'd like to lead you in a prayer that you can give your life to Christ. And as we always do, I just want to pray a prayer, and I'd like for you to pray it with me. I'm not going to ask you to stand, single you out. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I just want you to pray. But I'd like to know if I'm praying for people, who I'm praying for. So just between you, me, and God, with nobody looking around, if you can say, Travis, if you'll pray, I'm going to pray with you, and I'm going to give my life to Christ. Real quickly, just put your hand up and put it down. Can anybody say that? I see your hand in the back. You can put it down. Anybody else? Anybody else before we pray? I just want to know. I see your hand over here on the left. Anybody else? Okay, we're going to pray. And I don't know if I saw everybody's hand, but God saw your hand and saw your heart. And even if you didn't lift your hand, repeat this prayer after us as we all pray together. Come home. Give your life to Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as I am before you today, I give you my life. And Jesus, I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and wash me clean and whole by your grace. 
I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment on, my life is committed to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate.